You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. We find ourselves in Joshua 13. Joshua 13. And I want to read just one verse, and then I want to go to chapter 18. So if you want to start finding where 18 is, just a few pages over. But Joshua 13, the Bible says, Now Joshua was old and stricken in years. And the Lord said unto him, Thou art old and stricken in years. Isn't it awesome when the Lord just states the obvious? He just, he's honest with you. All right, well, Joshua, you're old. And there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. We find here that uh, during this conquest, Joshua is the leader as the children of Israel are conquering Canaan land. And how exciting is it as they are now across the River Jordan and now they are gaining territory. And as God has promised to give them land, they're realizing the promise. And it's amazing what God is doing. But even at the end of Joshua's life, as the Lord is honest with them and he says, Joshua, you're old. And stricken in years, and, and the time of your life on this earth is getting done, but there is still much to be accomplished. There is still uh, remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. Turn with me to Joshua 18. We're a little bit uh, through the conquest. As a matter of fact, most of the conquest has been done. The land has already been conquered, but we find an issue. It says in verse Number one of Joshua 18, and the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle of the congregation there. And the land was subdued before them. And there remained among the children of Israel seven tribes which had not yet received their inheritance. Joshua said unto the children of Israel, How long are ye slack to go to possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers hath given you? We understand that the situation here is that the land has already been conquered. The verses before tell us that the land is already subdued. The enemies are gone and the land still has not been possessed. Tonight I'd like to bring a message entitled, Given But Not Gotten. Given But Not Gotten. You know, the Lord has given the children of Israel here the land. It's already been fought for, it's already been conquered, but yet they still haven't claimed it for themselves. They haven't gone in themselves and possessed the land. And sometimes, even in our Christian life, we can find some similarities where God has already given it to us. God has given us some wonderful blessings, but guess what? We haven't gotten it yet, for better, lack of better grammar. Given, but not gotten. Lord, I pray that you'd help us with this uh, thought tonight. I pray that you'd help me as... I uh, preach your word. Help me to do it with uh, boldness and passion. But, Lord, I pray that uh, uh, nothing would be said tonight that wouldn't be glorifying to you. I pray that your word would go forth and not return void. I pray, God, you do a work in our hearts this evening. Help us, Lord, to not be distracted, but help us to be focused on the, uh, the, the written word of God tonight. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there's an amazing gift that we've all received if we've trusted Christ as our Savior, and that is eternal life. And isn't that an amazing gift? 
it, it's kind of like, uh, I, I use an illustration sometimes when I'm giving the gospel to somebody, and usually it's a, a pen that I'll use, but you have a gift, and, and this gift was purchased. It's already uh, bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's salvation, and the only thing that somebody has to do to receive the gift of salvation is to what? To take it. Go ahead, take it, Colin. That's it. But imagine if Colin received the word of God and he received the promise of salvation. Is he saved? Yes. But how sad is it that that's where we stop sometimes. I, I've, I've met some folks who've gotten saved and it seems like they were excited to get saved, but yet that's it. They didn't get into church. They didn't get to reading their Bible and find out the wonderful blessings that we get as a Christian from being saved. And, and so how sad is it that we would receive a gift of salvation, and then we say, you know what, I'm good. I've got my fire insurance, my eternity settled, hallelujah, now let me carry on about my life. Now the Bible says, by your fruits you shall know them. And we also find, and you don't have to turn there, but Philippians chapter 2, and verse 12, the Bible says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, this is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church at Philippi, the Bible says, but now much more in my absence, here it is, the next phrase, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What is the Apostle Paul saying here? Is he saying that you have to work to get saved? Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, not of works, lest any man should boast. I almost got tripped up by the rug there. Not of works, lest any man should boast. It's just a gift. You've already agreed with me that the Bible says, receive and believe Jesus died for you and you shall have eternal life. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so what is the Apostle Paul talking about when he says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling? When we put those verses in context, we find that uh, the Apostle Paul was explaining that uh, we should have the mind of Christ. He says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ, who came to this earth and, and humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And so what are we learning here? Well, we have to understand that when we accept this gift, we are fully acknowledging that we're sinners in need of saving. There is no saving uh, of ourselves. We are, we are filthy. We are dirty. We are beyond... Uh, trying to work out our own salvation, but yet we have to acknowledge that Jesus is the only way to heaven. And by doing that, what are we doing? We're humbling ourselves. But if we truly acknowledge that as a Christian, we receive that wonderful gift of salvation, we also have to know that in order to live the Christian life, we too must stay humble, just as Christ came to minister, not to be ministered unto. The Bible continues in Philippians 2, saying, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, and in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. It's like taking that wonderful gift that God has already paid for, and, and opening it, and using it, and shining your testimony, your salvation testimony, as a light for him. It's kind of like at Christmas time, and you have a gift, and, and uh, you open it up, and you find that it's a pair of socks. And if you already have a lot of socks, and you're maybe a, a younger kid at the time, and, and uh, you, you may be thinking, you know, socks aren't, aren't that exciting. 
So you may be tempted to open the gift and say, oh, thanks, Mom. Thanks, Dad. And then you put it aside and you don't really use it. You just kind of let it be in your sock drawer. But why don't we flip it and say, hey, you got some socks for Christmas, but not everybody knows you don't, you don't have any socks. As a matter of fact, you don't have any shoes. And so if someone were to give you socks and you had that need, you wouldn't only accept it, but you'd be humbly accepting it, humbly accepting it, and you'd also be using it. So if we truly understand what Jesus did for us on the cross, we're going to take the wonderful gift he's given us, and we're going to use it. We're not going to let it sit on a shelf. We're not going to hide our light and, and put it under a bushel. No, we're going to let it shine. And that's what the Christian life is all about. It's living life as a Christian and living life as a victorious Christian. We find our, ourselves similarly here as uh, the, the Israelites were conquering Canaan land. We often take Canaan land as a picture of heaven. And, and uh, we, we sing songs about Canaan land is just inside. And one day we'll cross over Jordan. We'll be in heaven. And that is, that is true. But may I also say that Canaan land is a picture of the victorious Christian life. And that is something that we can have here on this earth. But it takes obedience and it takes possessing what God has given to us. So tonight, I'd like to preach on given but not gotten. First of all, I'd like to mention that I see a promise in Scripture. I see a promise in Scripture. We also find it, you don't have to turn there, but in Deuteronomy 27, uh, the Lord gives the children of Israel promise. And what is that? The Bible says, Moses with the elders of Israel commanded the people, saying, Keep all the commandments which I command you this day, and it shall be on the day when ye shall pass over Jordan unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, that thou shalt set thee up great stones and plaster them with plaster, and thou shalt write upon them all the words of this law when thou art passed over, that thou mayest go in unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, a land that floweth with milk and honey, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee. That was a promise of God. You're going to go in, you're going to conquer, and the Lord has given it to you. That's a promise. Exodus 23, 23 says, For mine angel, capital A, who is that? That's Jesus. For mine angel shall go before thee and bring thee in unto the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. That's a promise we find in Numbers 33, 50. The Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses in the plains of Moab by Jordan near Jericho, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye are passed over Jordan and into the land of Canaan, then ye shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you and destroy all their pictures and destroy all their molten images and quite pluck down all their high places. And ye shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land and dwell therein. For I have given you the land to possess it. What a wonderful promise that is. We find that promise fulfilled since we're in Joshua. Why don't you turn to Joshua 21. Joshua chapter 21 and verse 43. The Bible says this. And the Lord gave unto Israel all the land which he sware to give unto their fathers. And they possessed it. And dwelt therein, and the Lord gave them rest round about according to all that he sware unto their fathers. And there stood not a man of all their enemies before them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hands. 
There failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel. All came to pass. Aren't you glad for the promises of God? Aren't you glad that God's promises are true? They are without error. Aren't you glad that God's promises are timeless? They are eternal. We can read the word of God, which was written thousands of years ago, some portions, and, and we look at and, uh, many more thousands of years ago back in Genesis, and we can take those promises back in Genesis and look through the Bible all the way to Revelation, and we can find the promises of God, and they are still relevant today. God's promises do not fail. They are eternal. They are tried and proven. I'm thankful that we serve a God who's not changing. We serve a God who's all uh, sovereign and, and he is all powerful. He's all knowing. And God himself is able to fulfill the promises that he gives us. I'm thankful for the promises of God. We understand that as we look at the promises in scripture, with every promise there is a principle to follow. What is the principle? Well, the principle is just a fundamental truth. So as a Christian and as we read the Bible and, and we see the promise of God, there also comes a principle tagged along with that. If you do this, then I will do this. We find that in Proverbs 3. If you'd uh, like to turn there, there's, there's several promises and principles that are found in Proverbs 3. Um, starting with verse 5, the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understandings. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And what's the promise? He shall direct thy paths. That's a promise, but the principle follows uh, is before that. Then we find in verse 7, Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. That's the principle. Verse 8, It shall be health to thy navel, and marrow to thy bones. That's the promise. Verse 9, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. That's the principle. The promise is, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. We find the principle and then the promise. We also understand that really, it, logically, it's, hey, we do our part and God will surely do his. If we're obedient to God, then God will fulfill his end of the promise. We find in uh, Psalm uh, 37, Psalm 37, the Bible says in verse 3, Trust in the Lord and do good. That's the, the principle. That's what we ought to do. So shalt thou, thou dwelt in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord. That's the principle. And he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. We do what God tells us to do, and he's going to follow up in fulfilling his promise. And I'm glad that we have a God who can do that. I'm glad we have a God who doesn't fail in his promises. So I see the promise, number one, and that promise to the children of Israel was that God would give them Canaan land as the promised land, the land that was flowing with milk and honey. Number two, I see the preservation. Would you look with me at Joshua 23? Joshua 23, and starting in verse Number one, Joshua 23 and verse number one, the Bible says, And it came to pass a long time after that the Lord had given rest unto Israel from all their enemies round about, that Joshua waxed old and stricken in age. Now this is the second time that the Bible says Joshua waxed old and stricken in age. And so if he was old before, now he's really old, okay? And we find in verse two, And Joshua called for all Israel and from their elders and or for their elders and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers and said unto them, Now Joshua admits it, I'm old and stricken in age. 
And ye have seen all that the Lord your God hath done unto all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he that hath fought for you. Behold, I have divided, now get this, unto you by lot, these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes. We're going to come back to that verse. From Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off, even unto the great sea westward. And the Lord your God shall expel them from before you and drive them from out of your sight. And ye shall possess their land. And the Lord your God hath pro- as the Lord your God hath promised uh, unto you. Verse 6. Here it is. Here's the preservation. You want to know how you can be in the land and stay in the land? Do you want to know, Christian, how you can stay a victorious Christian and live the victorious Christian life? Here it is. Be ye therefore very courageous to keep, to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, that ye turn not aside from, uh, I'm sorry, turn not aside therefrom to the right hand or to the left. We understand that to be preserved in the nation, I wrote in my Bible here, we have to stay straight. Or stay on the straight and narrow. We can't turn to the left or to the right. We have to stay focused. We can't forget what God has promised to us. And then in verse 7, that ye come not among these nations. These that remain among you neither make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause them uh, to swear by them, neither serve them, nor bow yourselves unto them. What is that? Well, I wrote next to verse number 7, we have to stay Separated. We can't be among uh, those that are evil, that are without God, that are heathen. We cannot partner up with them. What's the danger with that? Well, the danger with that is that we're going to start taking their gods to be our gods. We're going to start serving them. We're going to start worshiping them. And in turn, we're going to turn our back on God and forsake him and his promises. Stay separated. Verse 8, but cleave unto the Lord your God as ye have done unto this day, that word cleave there, I put stay stuck. Stay stuck on the Lord. Just stay with Him. Stick with Him. You won't be disappointed in your victorious Christian life. We can stay victorious and we can have the victory in our life if we just put Him first, if we cleave to Him, if we stay stuck on the Lord. And that is what Joshua is encouraging them to do. Verse number 9, For the Lord hath driven out from before you great nations and strong but as for you, uh, no man hath been able to stand before you unto this day. One man of you shall chase a thousand. For the Lord your God, he it is that fighteth for you as he hath promised you. I put there uh, next to verses 9 and 10, stay strong. And how are we to stay strong as a Christian? Nothing that we can do. Matter of fact, we're weak. As a matter of fact, we can do more when we're weak because when we are weak, he is strong. God is our strength. God is the source of our strength. And so we must never forget that. That is the preservation. We see the promise. You can have the Canaan land. You can go in and possess it. And you can have the victories. And you can experience what it is to be a victorious Christian. And then to, to stay there in the land, we ought to uh, look at those points there as we just read for the preservation. And then I see the possession in a verse 3, 4, and 5. We started reading it. The Bible says, And ye have seen all that the Lord your God hath done unto all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he that hath fought for you. Behold, I have divided unto you by lot these nations that remain. Did you know, even after God had given them all the land that they were promised, God said, Hey, there's more. There is more that can be possessed. Hey, Christian, did you know 
That in, in the victorious Christian life, as we're living life in Canaan land, there are some things that we can look back on and say, hey, that was a victory. Hey, that, that was a win right there. God did something amazing in my life right there, uh, starting back when he saved me. He saved me. What a miracle that is. What a victory that is. Because if you would have known me, you would have understood. It would have taken a miracle for me to get saved. But yet, after I got saved now, look at what God has done in my life, and look what God can do. And, and hey, even though God has brought us this far, Victory Baptist Church, guess what? There still remains more land. And guess what? There's a land that remains, and we can still see God do victories. Hey, I'm glad that, uh, that God has given us a, a Christian school. What a miracle. That's a victory. I'm glad God has given us a radio station. I'm glad God has given us a bus ministry. I'm glad God has given us a Sunday school. I'm glad God has, has given us some amazing victories in this ministry here. But God is not done yet. God is just beginning. There is more land that remains, and we can, we can fight for it. And God has already given it to us. All we have to do is obey. And so it's amazing here as I continue to read in verse 5. And the Lord your God, he shall expel them from before you and drive them from out of your sight. And ye shall possess their land as the Lord your God hath possess, uh, has promised unto you. I see here the possession. There's more land. God is not done yet. You know, when I was uh, at a teen camp back in 2005, I trusted Christ as my Savior. It was a message that Pastor Mark Swanson preached. And he preached on hell that night, and, and uh, I just knew that that was definitely not where I wanted to go. And when I heard about a Savior that got me out of that place and promised me a home in heaven, I, I just trusted Christ right then and there. And I remember during that week of teen camp that God spoke to my heart directly about music. And uh, I had some music back home that really wasn't glorifying to God. I knew that. Um, I didn't have to be saved very long to know that that music wasn't right. And so one of the things that I did when I got back home was I took those CDs, and I didn't just drive them out. I, I destroyed them. I utterly destroyed them, and I got rid of them. But, you know, the, the Bible here, he gives us a, a principle. God gives us a principle that when you get rid of something in your life, just as the children of Israel drove out those inhabitants, there was still, back in chapter 18, there was still land that they had conquered. They got the victory over it, but they hadn't possessed it yet. They hadn't filled it. And so the promise here and, and the principle that we find is that, hey, when there's an area of your life and, and you give it to God and God gives you the victory, guess what you have to do next? You have to fill it. You have to possess it. You have to be able to put the good into that spot. And so I was thankful that we had some churches and, and uh, I should say some Bible colleges and different singing groups that would come by our church and that would sing and they'd have CDs. And guess what I did? I got those CDs. And I was able to refill my music library with something that was pleasing to God and that helped me as a Christian. And so could I encourage you tonight, there's some land that needs to be possessed. I don't know what it is for you. Uh, maybe it is music. Maybe it's friends that you have. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's your job or your schedule that you haven't given to God yet, and, and you need to let God have that and work in, in, in that area of your life. Maybe it's your finances. I don't know what area, what land that God still needs to possess in your life, or maybe you need to get the victory over it again. But could I encourage you tonight that God help you with it. God will give you the strength to possess it. God will give you the, the victory for it. But we must. We must possess the land. Some Christians are in Canaan land but still haven't taken up residence. Judges, if you turn a few more chapters, maybe, maybe just one page for you. In Judges chapter 1, in verse 19, as they continue to conquer these extra lands that God has promised to them, 
The Bible says in verse 19, And the Lord was with Judah, and he drave out the inhabitants of the mountain, but could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley, because they had chariots of iron. You know what I find here? I find an excuse. God has already promised it to them, but the Bible says that they couldn't drive them out. And why could they not drive them out? It wasn't because of the chariots of iron. You know what it was? It was an excuse. We find that the, children, uh, the, the, the tribe of Manasseh, just a few chapters before that in, in the book of Joshua, had the same problem. They said, hey, we, we can conquer these people, but we can't conquer that land. You know why? Because there's Canaanites in that land, and they have chariots of iron. It was an excuse. And when I think about that, I, I think maybe, uh, maybe there's some areas in my life where I just don't want to fully give it to God simply because I have an excuse as to why he can't have the victory over that in my life. Is it an excuse that's preventing you from giving an area over to the Lord? And another thing would be, Lord, I, I would go forward and I, I would let you conquer this land, but uh, to be completely honest with you, Lord, it may come in handy later. We find that uh, that's another unfortunate event that, that is in Judges chapter 1. I'd like to bring you point number four. I don't just see the possession, but then I see the permission. What were the Canaanites, I'm sorry, what were the Israelites supposed to do with the Canaanites? The Bible says they're supposed to drive them out. If we remember there in, in Numbers 33, the Bible says, And you shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land and dwell therein, for I have given you the land to possess it. That's what they should have done. But what did they do? Look with me, starting in verse 21, it says, And the children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites that inhabited Jerusalem. But the Jebusites dwell with the children of Benjamin in Jerusalem unto this day. What did they do? They permitted them. You can stay against God's promise. In verse 27, neither did Manasseh drive out the inhabitants of Bethshean. The later part of that verse, but the Canaanites would dwell in that land. Verse 28, and it came to pass when Israel was strong that they put the Canaanites to tribute and did not utterly drive them out. We see a permission. Not a permission from God, but for some reason the Israelites, they looked and they said, you know what? These guys, they're not that bad. Matter of fact, I think they might come in handy later. Why don't I just go ahead and let them stay? Gabriel, could I get your help real quick? Thank you, sir. I didn't ask you ahead of time, so just bear with me. Visual illustrations help me, so he'll be my guinea pig. But we have Gabriel here. He's taller than I am. I'm not going to say he's stronger than I am, because that would be admitting I'm weak compared to this guy. But let's just say that he was stronger than I am. Why are you all laughing? <laughs> now, Gabriel here, he is a genuine Canaanite. Okay, And the Bible says that with a Canaanite, with the Canaanites, we were supposed to, as Israelites, we were supposed to drive them out. And so, as, uh, as we drive them out, this is literally what they were supposed to do. Get out of here! You don't belong here! The Lord gave us your land! Get out! Gabriel, run faster! You Canaanite, get out of here! Yes, all the way, shoo! Get out of here! That's it. All right, Gabe, you can come back in. 
Just kidding. Get out of here, Canaanite. Get out of here. You're not supposed to come in here. No way. You're not welcome in this land anymore. The Lord gave it to us. Those Canaanites cannot be in here. You know why? Because they're going to influence us. They're going to influence us with their gods. They're going to get us off track. They're going to get us focused on what they have and what we don't have. And so, Gabriel, you can actually come on in now. All right. Thank you for not leaving completely. Come on in, brother. But unfortunately, you know what, we, what they did with the, with the Canaanites? This is exactly what they did. Hey, hey, you know what? You look pretty strong. You look, uh, you look like you could probably beat us up. But however, the Lord's on our side. And uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll let you stay. But uh, why, don't, why don't you go ahead and, and sit back down here? I, I want you to stay in the land of us Israelites here. The only Canaanite right here. And go ahead and sit down in your seat. You're fine. And as a matter of fact, you can stay, but here's the deal. You have to benefit us. As a matter of fact, Gabriel, as a Canaanite, you have to pay us money. Because, you see, why drive them out when we can benefit from them? Why drive them out when we can benefit, put them to tribute? Hey, we're, still, we're strong. The Bible says we're strong. It came to pass when Israel was strong that they put the Canaanites to tribute and did not utterly drive them out? You know what? Let's, let's save the Canaanites. Matter of fact, let's sanction the Canaanites. Let's go ahead and make them pay us money. You know why? Because that'll benefit us much better than just getting rid of them. Good night. We can benefit from them. We can get some money from them. But let's look a little bit further. You can do that all you want. You can save them and not utterly draw, uh, drive them out as... Uh, as God had told you to, you can actually sanction them and say, you know what, you might be coming in handy a little bit later. But we also find that that doesn't just stop there. Let's continue reading. In verse 34, the Bible says this, The Amorites forced the children of Dan into the mountain, for they would not suffer them or allow them to come down to the valley. The Amorites... They were one of those people that should have been driven out. But yet we have here now, after several times, in verse 29, neither did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites that dwelt in the land. Uh, neither did Zebulun drive out the inhabitants of Kitron. Verse 31, neither did Asher drive out the inhabitants of Echo. Uh, if you say that right. Uh, verse 32, but the Asherites dwelt among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land, for they did not drive them out. Neither did Naphtali drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh. But he dwelt among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land. And then it comes down to, well, now the, Am the Amorites, those that were should, should have been driven out. Now it looks like they're calling the shots. Our plan was to, to save them and, and our plan was to sanction them. But now we find ourselves submitting to them. You know, there's some areas in our life that if we don't let the Lord have the victory, if we don't let the Lord take care of it, what happens? It starts taking over us. They submitted. And unfortunately, it didn't stop there. Because the Bible says that in chapter 2, as the angel of the Lord comes and warns them and says, Hey, what are you doing? Why are you disobeying? Why are you not driving out the inhabitants of the land as you should have been doing? Don't you see what's happening? The Bible says this. Uh, look with me there. Um, verse 8 of chapter 2. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. They buried him. 
Verse 10, And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. You may say, it's okay. It's fine. We can keep those inhabitants in check. They're going to be a benefit to us. Everything's okay. Hey, victorious Christian, just go ahead and let, give a little place to the devil here. It's all right. We can use it for our benefit. But unfortunately, we find that uh, it doesn't just affect us. And as a matter of fact, maybe you have it in check. But you know who doesn't have it in check? Your children. The generation that comes after you, they're not as strong as you are if you don't pass down your strong faith. You know what you pass down? If you pass down your weak, compromising faith, guess what? They're not going to have any faith by the time it comes down to their choice. We have to make a decision. Hey, it's important for us to tell our children about the great and mighty works that God did. It's important for us to tell our children how great and mighty God is and how the victories that God has, has, has won in our life and how we have possessed Canaan land and how we've lived in Canaan land where the milk and honey flow, where the grapes of Eshcol grow. It's amazing what God has done in our life. And if we don't tell them what happens, there's a generation that's going to come after us and they're not even going to know God, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. Verse 12, And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt, and followed other gods of the gods of the people, here it is, that were round about them. Who were those people that were round about them? The people that they allowed to dwell with them. What happened? It became a thorn in their flesh. It became something that they could not get rid of anymore, and now it has a negative effect on not just them, but it has an effect on the entire nation in that next generation. I find, lastly, and we'll be done, I find, unfortunately, we have the proving. In Judges chapter 2 and verse 21, the Bible says, because they forsook. Even when I send judges... And would deliver them. And it seemed like the children of Israel got right with the Lord. And, and they, they, they turned back to God. Yet again, those people that lived around them had an influence. And they turned back uh, to the other gods. It says in verse 21, I will also not henceforth drive out any from before them of the nations which Joshua left when he died. You know those extra lands that could have been conquered? The bonus? You're not going to be able to drive them out anymore, Israel. The Bible says here, 22, that through them I may prove Israel whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk therein as their fathers did keep it or not. Therefore, the Lord left those nations without driving them out hastily, neither delivered he them into the hand of Joshua. We find the proving. You know, the children of Israel were out of the will of God. They weren't able to have those victories as their fathers did simply because they let the people around them, they let the world around them have an influence on their walk with the Lord. And when we find ourselves tonight in that, those proving grounds, man, Lord, I, I failed. Lord, I, I feel like I'm not as close to you as I should be. and Lord, I even feel out of your will at this very moment in my life. If that's you... I want to tell you that, uh, as Miss Kelly is saying tonight, he makes a way. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in 2 Chronicles, 
7.14, you've memorized this. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. God says, hey, I will always make a way back for you. You find yourself drifting away. The Bible promises us, here it is, principle and promise, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. And that promise still rings true today. God will prove us. God will test us. But I'm glad in Judges 3.15 when the children of Israel were sold uh, into, uh, I guess, uh, into slavery or, um, if you will, we have a nation that conquered them. And and so they were serving uh, this nation of Moab. We find in verse um, 15 of chapter 3 of Judges, but when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised them up a deliverer. Ehud, the son of Gera, Benjamite, a man left-handed. I like left-handers. And by him the children of Israel sent a present unto Eglon, the king of Moab. Did you know that when you find yourself in captivity, when you find yourself needing a victory, and you turn and you talk to God about it, and you say, hey God, I'm all yours. I'm going to draw an eye to you so you, you can draw an eye to me. The Bible says that when God does that, hey, he sends a deliverer. He sends a deliverer, and I'm glad, I'm glad for these judges in the Bible that we find and that we'll read in our Bible reading in the next couple days. I'm glad for those judges that were able to deliver Israel. But aren't you glad tonight, as we're looking back and reading that, that we have a capital D deliverer that, that has, uh, can and will deliver us? Jesus Christ, he's given us the victory. Thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory through Jesus Christ. And so we have a deliverer tonight, and maybe you are discouraged. Maybe you are down in the dumps tonight, but could I encourage you that there is a deliverer. There's a deliverer from your depression. There's a deliverer from your discouragement. Maybe you feel defeated, but God can deliver you. It only takes you drawing nigh to him. He'll draw nigh to you. Would you humble yourself and pray and forsake your evil ways, and, and would you allow yourself to be complete, thoroughly right with God? Tonight, the, the message, hopefully, is, is quite simple. Let's possess the land. In your personal life, as a ministry here at Victory Baptist Church, there is land still today that needs to be possessed. And so let's do it. Let's experience the wonderful promises of, of God. Let's experience the fruits of the Spirit, and one of those is joy. We can be happy Christians. Victorious Christians are happy Christians. And so tonight, I hope you, you've come to church, and, and I hope we can understand that we can be encouraged by the promises of God. All we have to do is be willing. The children of Israel, they, they made a mistake. It was called disobedience. But we tonight, even though we've been disobedient in the past, we can be obedient to God tonight. Say, you know what, Lord, there is that area. There's that area that I need to give back to you. You know, Lord, we, we, we got the victory, but there's, there's some Canaanites that I just haven't quite driven out yet. And so, Lord, would you help me with that tonight? Whatever it may be, I, I hope that you would act upon it. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.